Thank you, Gavin. Great. Well, looking forward to, to sharing the Word of God with you this morning. It, do you know, it doesn't matter what's going on in your world right now, in our world. Did you know that Jesus is Lord? Did you know that he's far greater than anything that can come against us? He's bigger than all of that. And sometimes we can get so overwhelmed with the situations in life and, you know, and we need to come alongside those people and have compassion and help to be that, that lifter of their heads. But let's stay in faith, church. Let's stay confident in a God who is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Amen. Great. Okay, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Exodus chapter 2, uh, or a device, or I think it may even come up on the screen as well. Is that right? It is going to. Uh, so... Um, uh, we'll forgive you if you forgot your Bible, okay? So it's going to come up there, but I'll, I'll read it from here. And it's a great story. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then her sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of those Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. Father, we pray today that you would speak into our hearts, into uh, our personal situations into uh, world situations, but God, would you uh, encourage us and challenge us and inspire us uh, and bless us today? Help us to go from this place changed in some way, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Verse 6 of uh, the scriptures that we've just read in the authorized version. Does anyone remember the authorized version? Okay, it says this, and when she had opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept and she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews children. If you've never read this story before uh, or heard this story before, maybe you have heard it from uh, the Prince of Egypt, the film or the stage show. Uh, It's a great story. It's an incredible story of deliverance from captivity and the creation of a nation. And it centers around this guy called Moses. It's a picture of God's plan of salvation demonstrated through his love for mankind to bring people out of the slavery of sin into uh, a relationship, the family of God, through his son, the Lord Jesus. So let's give some context to this chapter that we've just read now. Back in chapter one, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is concerned about the rise of the Hebrew people in his land and the fear of being outnumbered. So he says to his advisors, we've got to put them down. We've got to keep them down. Let's take away their freedom and make them slave. Sound like someone you know and heard of recently in the news? Insecurity, fear, conspiracy, isolation will always 
create the kind of leader who dictates and controls and threatens and causes pain and heartache and suffering. It says that Pharaoh was ruthless with them and he made their lives bitter. He, he also wanted to control their numbers. So as the babies were born, if they were a male child, they were killed and thrown into the River Nile. Can you imagine the fear? Can you imagine the pain that was going on amongst the Hebrew people at that time? Much like the horror and the, the suffering of those in the Ukraine right now, uh, with thousands of refugees and displaced people and hundreds killed, including young children. And we pray for our friends, Artem and family, and uh, for so many others as well. But not just in the Ukraine, so many different wars. There's something like about 40 wars going on around our world today where people, innocent people, are impacted and affected. We pray in the name of Jesus. We're praying for you, Artem. We're praying for your country. We're praying that God would visit that nation and we're praying that God would intervene and bring hope and freedom, that he would turn around uh, those whose hearts are bent on destruction, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name that you would bring release and hope to that nation. We pray for our brother's family, that you would bless them, protect them, keep them safe. By the power of your hand, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Into this situation, a young boy was born and his name was Moses, okay? He was born into slavery with a death sentence on his head. We don't often think about that, do we? We think of Moses out there in the wilderness and, you know, his rod and uh, miracles and plagues and all that kind of stuff. But Moses was born with a death sentence on his head. What chance did he have? What hope did he have was there for him? This was his people, and the oppressor was out to get him. You see, the thing about Moses is this, that he was born into the wrong postcode. He was born into the Geo postcode, into the Goshen postcode, as it were, okay? The, the area was Goshen, and that's where the his Hebrew people lived, not the TH postcode, Thebes, where Pharaoh and all the Egyptians lived, okay? Uh, do you know what? A person's opportunity and lifestyle and very often their fate is very often linked to the postcode that they live in or even to the country that they are born into. We didn't ask to be born into the postcode that we were, into the situation that we were, into the family that we were. It just happened. And uh, for some, we were very privileged. We were very blessed. For others, it was been a challenge and uh, childhood was, was a difficult situation and maybe you're in that situation right now where you're surrounded by all kinds of challenges in your life possibly because of the postcode or the situation that you've been born into. I want to tell you this that the word of God says that God determines the exact times and places where men should live and he knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in your world. He's not forgotten you. He cares about you. Cast all your care upon him. Because he cares for you. Can I tell you that there are currently 370 million children in our world today who were born into a postcode of suffering, of poverty, of captivity, of abuse and exploitation. They are in their Goshen, as it were, with no hope of getting to Thebes. They're in their geo postcode with no hope of getting to TH postcode. 
there are children who are caught up in forced labor. We're talking perhaps many of them in bonded debt. That means that it's a debt that uh, a family member took out perhaps generations before and it's been handed down through the generations and that family have never been able to get out of debt Uh, because they don't earn enough. They're working 16 hours a day. Sometimes these children are involved in quarries or factories or whatever it may be, and they're not earning enough to be able to pay back the high interest on the debt, so they are slaves in that situation. They are in forced labor. So many children caught up in uh, as child soldiers in civil wars in their countries, children who face sexual exploitation, as well as all the challenges of not having food security or clean water and access to education and health care. And, and just as there was a death sentence over Moses' head, so too for many today, they won't reach their first birthday because there's a death sentence there. That's the way it is. Children die before their first birthday. Do you know, for every 1,000 live births uh, in Ethiopia, 35 children die. That rises to 47 children under the age of three. You know, as you look around the world, you know, the child mortality rates kind of rise and, and fall and whatever. In Afghanistan right now, it's something like 135 children die to every 1,000 live births. Now you compare that with the UK with something like about three or four children to every 1,000 live births. Now that's still terrible. It's still terrible that any child should be taken from us. But, you know, as we see the disparity that there is around the world, it's very, very challenging, isn't it? Thank God for mums who will do whatever they can to protect their children. Around the world, there are many mums who are broken because they simply didn't have the resource to be able to protect their child. I don't know if you saw the BBC News report on Somalia the other day because of famine in that country right now. And you just saw two mums. One mum had already lost two children. Another mum had lost three children and was burying their children. This is heartbreaking stuff, isn't it? This is very heavy. You say, Tim, I didn't come to church to be told this stuff. I want to know about the goodness of God. I want to know hope. I want to know, you know, healing. I want to know all of this kind of stuff. But the reality is we live in a world that is broken. And God is raising up his church in these days to make a difference. And whether it's, you know, uh, challenges in Ghana or in Afghanistan or wherever it is, or whether it's here in Teesside or wherever it may be, you know, God is calling his church to be Uh, light bearers in this day, in the darkness of this situation. And God is calling us to be filled with his Holy Spirit and take a message of hope uh, and the good news of the gospel into every situation. Look at the disparity across the developing world and uh, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Thank God. You know, we're talking to the children earlier on about thank God for the things that we take for granted. Let's have that attitude of gratitude and thank God for all the good things that we've got, the NHS, you know, all the incredible things, schooling, education, work, everything. And I know and I recognize that in this country there's still tough situations and people are going through difficult circumstances and that may be you as well and I'm not making light of those things at all. It's all relative into your situation but but look at the disparity across the developing world. You know, we talk about the cost of living and energy crisis and bills going up and all the rest of it. Can I tell you that because of, uh, you know, uh, climate change, because of um, uh, floods and because of 
droughts and because of the cost of living and because grain isn't getting into the countries that so desperately need it. Uh, millions more have been pushed back. Uh, something like 100 million people have been pushed back into the abject poverty bracket. That's living below what the World Bank would say is a dollar uh, is two dollars twenty-five. It's just gone up from a dollar ninety to two dollars twenty-five because that's the cost of living impact on you know somebody's what they need. You say, well, uh, surely they can get a meal out of that. That's that's just. $2.25 a day, and they've got to pay their rent out of that, they've got to pay their food out of that, they've got to pay bills out of that, all kinds of things. So this is abject poor that we're talking about uh, today. Okay, so let's get back to, to Moses. I love the spirit of Jochebed. Jochebed is Moses' mum. It's almost like she says to the oppressor of the people, you're not having my son, all right? You're not having him. So she takes a little basket and she makes it waterproof and she places this little three-month-old baby who's beginning to gurgle and beginning to cry and beginning to scream and make a noise so she can't hide him any longer. So she places him in the basket and she takes it down to the river and she hides it in, in amongst the bulrushes and the reeds and then she tells her daughter Miriam to stay close and watch what happens. Listen church, don't let the enemy take from you what God has invested in your life. Hold on to that. Grow it, exercise it, uh, build faith, uh, keep on believing for that day when what God has sown into you is going to come to fruition. And it's going to be for the saving of other lives. It's going to be for bringing hope into other people's circumstances and situations. Don't give up when the going gets tough. Keep on going. Hold on to that which God has invested in you. Guard the good deposit that Christ has invested into your life. What faith she exhibits. She knows she's got to do something and what a risk she takes putting this baby into a crocodile-infested river. Can you imagine that? Putting your child into a crocodile-infested river, the River Nile. Well, she does that, but you know, she'd heard the stories of God's faithfulness. And they'd been handed down through the generations and she knew that God was a faithful God and he was about to display his faithfulness in and through her life and implement his plan of rescue. So Miriam is watching. And verse 5 says that Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. They're probably trying to spot a safe place for uh, the princess to bathe. Uh, and uh, when she sees the basket and she tells her servants to bring the basket to her. Now, here's an interesting thing. You see, Jochebed put the basket in the Nile, and I guess it was fairly close to where she lived, okay? Now, the question is this. Why would the princess be walking in that area? Why would she be in the geo postcode? It was dangerous for her to be there. It was well out of her TH postcode. Uh, and, and why on earth would she want to bathe in the part of the river where the Hebrews bathed and their cattle and goats moved around him? Why would she want to do that? You see, this would be downstream from the palace. The Hebrews would bathe in the dirty water of the Egyptians, not the other way around. All I can think of is that somehow, Somehow, church, are you ready for this? Somehow, the basket moved upstream. The basket moved upstream. What was the somehow? I think the, God, the, the somehow was God. 
he, he moved it against the tide. He pushed it against the current. It, it went against the expectation of what was the norm. You'd, you know, he's very good at taking that which is despised and rejected and worthless and downstream in the eyes of the world and sending them upstream. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning, church? You can get excited about this. Come on, he's good at doing that. Uh, 1 Samuel says this, chapter 2, verse 8, that he raises the poor from the dust, uh, from the ash heap, and, and lifts the needy from the ash heap, and he seats them among princes, and he bestows on them a throne of honor. I love what God does with people who feel like they've been cast aside, who feel like they're worthless, who feel like they're rejected, who have no hope in this world. God sees them and he sees the worth and the potential in their life and he begins to move them upstream, upstream. God is the God of the upstream. Am I the only one who's excited about this this morning? Come on, let's get a bit Pentecostal in this house this morning, shall we? Okay, you can get excited, you really can. You see, you may be at the bottom of the pile. Life may not have served you well. Perhaps you feel like you're in a place of containment right now, or it's like there's a, like there's a sentence over your life. That's just a word for somebody this morning. There's a sentence over your life. What is that sentence over your life? Maybe it's not a death sentence, but maybe it's a a sentence that has been spoken over you, that is containing you, that's holding you back downstream, that is keeping you in a position and stopping you from moving into the freedom that Christ has won for you. You may feel like you're on the ash chute, but can I tell you, church, my God is the God of the upstream. We can take, he can take your current position and he can move you to a higher place upstream. He's the God who turns lives around and he brings hope and he brings transformation. And when he does that, it's not just for you, but it's also for those uh, around you, as we're going to see with Moses in this story as well. Well, Pharaoh's daughter told the servants to bring the basket, but what attracted her to it first of all? And what did she do? And what can we learn from her actions? You see, God was uh, going to use this young woman in his purpose, and he wants to use us in his purpose of lifting children and young people, in fact, anybody who's in that downstream situation into a place of hope and into a better future. So I want to share with you just a few things this morning as we begin to head towards home, okay? All right, and coffee and donuts and all the rest of it. Here's a few things for you, okay? Number one, she heard the baby crying. She heard the baby crying. I want to ask you this morning, will you hear the cry of the poor and the broken? Will you open your ears to that which may not be comfortable, but is crucial that we do? You see, the word says in Proverbs 21 verse 13, if a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Oh, that's a bit of a hard verse, isn't it? I don't like verses like that, Raj. I like verses like the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. I love verses like that. Or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a good verse. I like that. Or the Lord your God is mighty to save. He will rejoice over you with great joy and with singing. Oh, I love verses like that, you know? Things that are all about me and how God wants to bless me and encourage me. But then he slips in a few hard ones. 
a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. But God, don't you want to bless me? Don't you, don't you love me? Don't you care for me? Aren't you my father who wants to provide? Yeah, I, I do, he says, but I want you to understand the pattern. And I want you to understand the process. And I want you to understand how I feel about the poor. You see, in Isaiah 58, the church of that time was saying, God, you don't care about us. You've not answered our prayer. You know, we've, we've prayed and we've fasted and we've done everything that we should. And God says, you know, on the day of your fast, you exploit all your workers. And you abuse the poor. And you're greedy for gain. You climb over the backs of others because you just want more. And then he says this, is not this the kind of fast that I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to give food to the hungry and to clothe the naked and not to turn the stranger away. Then your light will rise. Then your healing will come. You see, there's a, there's a pattern. There's a process. So God wants us to catch his heart of justice and, and to hear the cry of the poor uh, because that's what breaks his heart this morning, and he stands on the side of those who face injustice today. These children face injustice. They didn't have a voice, but now there's a hope and a future for them. Will you stand with them? Will you hear their cry? Will you bless their families and help to bring community transformation uh, into that, uh, that town, that city there, uh, the city of Grace Church? God's heart is for the poor, and he hears their cry, and he wants us to be attentive. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to do just that. Here's the second thing. She saw a baby, not a deliverer. You see, the very means of delivering the people out of captivity was in her hands. She's holding this baby, but all she could see was a baby, all right? I love that Jesus came as a baby. In fact, there was a sentence of death over his life as well, wasn't there? As another deranged king, King Herod, was killing all the baby boys, but he came small and vulnerable and yet he would be the savior of the world. Some of you sponsor a child already. Thank you so much for what you're doing. You'll never know the impact that you're having. You really won't. But thank you for that. But what do you see in the picture that's on your fridge or on the, the sideboard? Do you see a little baby? Do you see a little kid? Or do you see a marketplace leader? Do you see a business person? Do you see an engineer? Do you see a, uh, an employer of other people? Do you see a great mum or a great dad or a politician or a, a lawyer or a doctor or a, a, a builder or whatever it may be? You've got to see beyond the present circumstance to what they can become. God always sees what people can become. And that's why he, he sees the potential in our lives. She was just holding this little baby in her hand and that's all that she could see. But do you see God's greater purpose in their lives, that they are heading upstream to become all that he wants them to be? Who knows what these children could become? Who knows what precious could become and what God could do in this little girl's life? Here's the third thing. She identified a child at risk. Well, she recognized that the baby was a Hebrew child, okay? So probably she should have handed him in. Uh, but she was smitten. And I'm praying this morning that God will touch your heart and connect you with one of these kids. Because, uh, you know, we, we've got children, we've sponsored many children over the last 32 years, and they become part of our family. You know, God connects uh, children to us because we have that privilege of having something that we can share with us and others. And I'm praying that God will connect your heart with a child today so that they will escape the circumstances that are against them. They, uh, so many of them are at risk, girls very often in the developing world, subject to abuse, exploitation, trafficking, 
early marriage, pregnancy. See, we hear so many stories of children that, uh, you know, because of their circumstances, maybe a young girl, maybe, maybe precious, and, I, and we hear about this in some situations, some countries, maybe precious is walking five kilometers to get water one day, not just one day, but she does it every day, maybe twice a day, to get water for the family. But on the way uh, back, she's carrying this heavy load, but then somebody attacks her and she's abused and violated. Now, who wants to marry this little girl? What future has she got? She's been violated. She's been corrupted. And very often in some cultures, you know, there's something like an honor marriage where a rapist will marry the girl. Now she's subject to abuse and exploitation over and over again through her teenage years. Maybe by the time she's 13, she's had her first child. Maybe by the time she's 15, she's had another child. Maybe by the time she's 17, she's got HIV AIDS. Maybe by the time she's 19, she's had another child who now has HIV AIDS. Maybe by the time she's 20, she's died. What hope is there? You know, these are the, this is the reality of, you know, not having enough water, not being able to turn on a tap or open a bottle of water. This is the reality of what happens to so many people in our world today. We could tell many depressing stories, but I want you to understand the reality of poverty in our world today, that it's not just a few hungry tummies. The, The effects, the impact of this just spirals out of control. Uh, into, you know, some of these devastating circumstances. But look, Precious has been registered under a project. Hallelujah. She's moving upstream. She's going to go to school. She's going to get an education. She's going to get health checks and things like that. She won't, her family won't have to sell her into early marriage because they're desperate or anything like that. She's not going to have a child early on in her teenage years. But she's going to go through school. She's going to get a qualification. Because she's got a qualification, she can get uh, a job. And because she gets a job, she can get some money. And because she's got money, she's got spending power. Now, because she's got spending power, she's got a voice. And precious can be someone that God has intended her to be because somebody will invest in her life today and say, Precious, I'm with you. I'm going to help you to get to that place. We're going to cross the line together. Who knows what Precious could be? You know, we've got all kinds of children uh, that have gone through our programs right now and are politicians in their country. In Haiti, which is a devastating situation right now, please pray for Haiti. Bujen in government, he's one of ours, but he's a politician. Margaret Makoha in Uganda, standing for truth and righteousness in the, the government right there. We've got lawyers and doctors and engineers and teachers and uh, all kinds of people that are making a difference. Well, she asked someone to nurse him. Quick as a flash, Miriam jumps up and says, I know someone who could look after the baby. So she goes and gets her mum. Okay, how cool is that? You know, in compassion, we are not in the business of taking children away and putting them in a home. And I'm not saying that children's homes are wrong. Sometimes that is uh, the only thing that can happen. But we want to stay, keep that child in the home so that we can build hope into that whole family unit. No matter what the caregiver, who the caregiver is, whether it's a single mom or a single dad or a grandma or an auntie or whoever it is, we want to build hope into that family and uh, uh, support those children, those, uh, the, the, those family members, where the local church can teach parenting, home management, create an environment where the child can grow and advance in their development. She paid for his care and support. Incredible. Jochebed gets her child back, and not only that, but someone else carries the financial package. 
That's amazing. I wonder if that's the first child sponsorship. Hey, it's in the Bible. Come on. Okay. I wonder uh, this morning um, whether we can invest in a child into their needs, their health, their education, their emotional support, their spiritual support. The sponsorship of 28 quid a month. That's a takeaway a month. That's a couple of trips to Starbucks or wherever it is. For some, 28 pounds a month is a lot of money. I understand that. But for others, 28 quid a month, you could be producing a world leader. Who knows what precious could be? Uh, what an investment we can make. Um, and the whole family would benefit as a result. Here's another one. She took him from a river to a palace. Later, as Moses got a bit older, he went to live in the palace of Pharaoh. And Acts 7.22 says this, that Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Hey, the boy was moving upstream. Amen. The boy was moving upstream and God was going to use him. And we thank God for so many stories. And we're going to just roll a video now where you can see some stories. But I'm thinking of a guy called Richmond. Uh, when he was a little boy in Uganda, he saw his father murdered. Murdered. He was angry with everybody and everything, but then one day he was registered under the Compassion Project and, and uh, he uh, was sponsored. He was sponsored by a young girl called Heather, 15 years of age, maybe the age of a princess. 15 years of age. Do you know, uh, he went through that program. He went through our leadership development program. He now pastors the church that oversees the project. He runs a pastor's night, uh, network of 600 pastors. He's just built a Bible college. He's training many young men and women for the, uh, to take the gospel across Africa. And he's just become one of our board members at Compassion UK. How about that? He's advising us and helping us so that we do the job right because he knows he's been through it. He's the best place person for it. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Sam is my colleague from Compassion. I didn't know he was going to be here today. And so that's why he's quite vocal this morning because he's excited about that. Um, just the last thing that I want to share, because of her love and support, this princess, Moses changed the history of the world. They saw that he was no ordinary child, it says, but he became the deliverer of the Hebrew people. Took them through that exodus out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, the wilderness, and right up to the promised land. Thank God for his purpose in and through Moses. Do you know, um, it says that... She drew Moses out of the basket. She drew him out. And that's what Moses means, to draw out, to draw out. And this morning, I wonder, will you draw out a child? Will you draw out a child and give them a hope and a future? Just one little story, just as I come to an end. And maybe the worship team can just come back and just join me now. That would be great. But uh, I was out in Ethiopia, and we had a... A church team, a partnership team, uh, a partnership church that were, were going out to see their children and uh, the project that they partnered with, a little bit like the project you're partnering with in, in Ghana. And we were in Ethiopia and we went to the project and we had a bit of a fun day and we split the team up and they were doing all sorts of activities. Some were playing football, some were skipping, some were, uh, you know, um, uh, just running races and all kinds of things. And I found myself with about 30 uh, children, they were about five, six years of age, and, and I said to one of the guys, let's do some throwing and catching 
skills. So we got them in a circle eventually, because if you're a teacher, you'll know it's impossible to get children into a circle anywhere in the world. But uh, eventually we got them into a circle, and the guy went in the middle, and he had the ball, and he begins to throw the ball to each child, and they threw it back and round the circle, and I walked around the outside of the circle, catching the ball if it f- slipped out, and throwing it back in. And the kids were uh, laughing and giggling and having fun, just being children. And I noticed a little boy who was wearing a long sleeve white shirt. His arms were him and his face, he looked so sad, he wasn't really joining in. And the ball came round, and the guy threw the ball to him, and it, he didn't even attempt to go for it. It just hit him on the chest and fell to the floor. And then it went on round again, and same thing happened, hit him on the chest, fell to the floor. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll give him a hand. I'll, I'll give him some support. So I came alongside, and I uh, knelt down next to him, and I said, hey, should we do this together? And he, he looked at me with the saddest expression. And I went to take his uh, hands in mine, and as I took his, went to take his right hand, I realized he didn't have an arm in his sleeve. And his left hand, he only had three fingers. No wonder he couldn't catch the ball. He wasn't able to join in because he didn't have what was necessary. Listen, I be- literally became his right arm and his left hand. And together, we caught the ball and threw it back. You should have seen the expression on that little boy's face. Now he was just full of hope, full of joy, and we stayed there and did it, and he was able to join in. Listen, when you sponsor a child, when you invest in a child, you become the right arm of support and the left hand of encouragement. And, And we take their hand and we take them across that line or that lie of poverty that says you're worthless, that you're rubbish, you're downstream, it's never going to change. And we we say, come on, we'll do this together. And uh, we give hope and opportunity to that child who they in turn will make a difference. We often call our children participants because they're participating in their own development and escape from poverty. It's not about us doing this for them. This is about bringing to the table what we can do and they'll do the rest. And so we get them across that line so that they can uh, know uh, that release from poverty. I wonder this morning, will you uh, help a child across the line? Will you draw out a child uh, from poverty in Jesus' name. And why don't we just stand and sing? And uh, uh, this morning, maybe God's speaking to you about other things as well. Maybe it is that you feel in a situation where you're downstream and uh, you feel your circumstances are really difficult. God hears you and sees you today. And if you'd like some prayer, that we have a ministry team. We'd love to pray with you. Uh, and just come and, uh, and, and take some prayer this morning. And, and, and maybe this morning, if you want to come to a basket and take out, draw out from the basket one of these children, then uh, we would love, to, love that to happen. Or you can come to the stand. We can answer any questions. You can have a look through the children. You can do that. But draw out a child today and make a difference in Jesus name. Come on, let's just pray. Let's worship. We bring it all together this moment. Lord, what what you're saying to us, so many different responses in this room. Maybe this morning you don't know Jesus as your savior. Put your trust in him today. Come to Jesus. Come back to him if you've been away. We'd love to share with you and talk with you about that. But come to Jesus today. Find healing. Find help. Make a difference in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.